It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to The Eagles Pod with Jimmy Kemsky and Tommy Lawler right here on libertybroadcast.co. And welcome to Eagles Pod. This is Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Tommy Lawler from eaglesblitz.com. We're two days away from the draft. Hold in there, Tommy. Doing good, Jimmy. Doing good. You know, this is always a wild time of year as you and I try to gather as much information as possible, watch as many players as possible, write as much as possible. And at the same point, you know, it's how much more can you do? You know, at a certain point, you just have to stop and just let it play out and react to what happens, but it's a, it's a wild time of the year. You can just type up Marcus Mariota more is what you can do. I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with him. Is he like a, <laughs> is a punter or something like that from Idaho? Yes. Oh, the kid from Idaho. You should have said that. Yeah. He's terrific. I love his measurables. <laughs> well, what we're going to do here tonight is we're going to sort of go through our draft board. So we'll sort of go through who we, think the Eagles could be targeting um, in the first round in, you know, possibly a trade back scenario from the first round, second round, third round, fourth round, and so on. And um, I, I let me, let me interrupt. You know, a draft board's going to have like 150 names on it. What we're going to do is talk about each round and some names that could be targeted there. We're not going to go through probably 150 different names tonight. Well, maybe. So, well, we'll see, but I mean, that's, <laughs> you no, figure, if, we're, we're not, not going to go through that many. Okay, but it, you know the whole point is we don't want to just talk about Marcus Mariota for forty-five minutes. We want to talk about different players in different rounds because the draft 
if you're really into it, you love the third round, the fourth round, as much as you do the first round. And for the casual fans, you know, there's a ton of Marcus Mariota coverage. So let's talk a little bit about everybody so that we can have some fun with some uh, some, some players that maybe people don't know as well. All right, well, let's start it off with Marcus Mariota. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, not really. Let's start off with, with who are some trade-up options for you in the first round. Obviously, there's Marcus Mariota. You're probably going to have to get up to two to try to get him. The Eagles are going to try. Um, you know, whether they try exceedingly hard or they give sort of a weaker effort remains to be seen, but they are absolutely going to try to get up there. Now, whether they can find a trade partner in the Titans or a combination of the Titans and the Browns or whatever it may be, they are going to try. That is obviously the biggest story, as you mentioned, with the Eagles heading into the draft. And really, when the Titans are on the clock at two, that is going to be some of the most dramatic, awesome 10 minutes of TV of the entire year. It's funny, Jimmy. You know, I have a lot of different readers, and so some of them are in uh, different countries. Some of them are in different parts of the United States. They're on different schedules, and every now and then I get questions. Hey, listen. The Eagles have the 16th pick or the 19th pick or the 24th pick. What time do you think I need to turn on the TV and pay attention? <laughs> what right. time? You know, here I'm saying if the draft starts at eight o'clock Thursday night, eight, ten, and one half seconds into that, you need to be paying attention to the internet, your phone, right. TV, because from that moment on until pick 20, anything is possible. Do you think you the know, Bucks are going to take possible. their full 10 minutes? You know, I assume so. That bothers the so. hell out of me when you have like when you have like four months to know what right. you're going to do, and then they take the full ten minutes. I agree. I mean, you know, it, but it, it feels almost like uh, the ESPN and the NFL Network saying, hey, "Let us talk. Let us get out there. And <laughs> right. Let's get the ball rolling." So don't don't put the player up immediately. It almost feels like a, a conspiracy, but yeah, no, I can't stand it. You, they know who they want to take. Take him. You know, now, yeah, you'd say they could be listening to offers, trying to make a deal. I don't know. They're going to decide within that 10 minutes whether they're going to make a deal for that pick or not. This year, it doesn't feel like there's going to be a bunch of people jockeying for them. Now, in some years, yeah, there have been some wild, like when 2004 with Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. Right. I could see that thing taking off 15 minutes back then. I could see that taking off 15 because there was some crazy stuff going on. This year, you know, make the pick at 802. Do us a favor. Do us a solid. Let's get on to the the, the the insanity of the Titans and Mariota and the rest of the draft. And, yeah, it's going to be fun. But people forget that Eli Manning was a whiny bitch about that whole thing. I don't want to go to San Diego. Who, first of all, who doesn't want to go to San Diego? Well, I, you know, listen, I hate to defend Eli Manning, but I think his don't agent you is, dare, sir. His agent is Tom Condon. Yeah. And I think Tom Condon saw San Diego at the time as – Marty Schottenheimer, uh, not the best ownership in the world, just a franchise. It was, it was a solid franchise, but if you go to New York, you're with the Giants, you're on East Coast television, you're in the largest media market in the world, you're you're marketable, you're with the premier, one of the premier franchises in the NFL, and I think he sat there and saw, you know, the Spanos family, and there was some weird stuff with John Butler and A.J. Smith, I want to say back then, and he just, you know, I, want, I don't want my guy going there. And I think Condon pushed it more than Eli or even Archie. And I think you know, it's Condon. I don't know that for a fact. That's my speculation. It's funny you bring him up, too, because that's Sam Bradford's agent, and they are clearly trying to not get him traded to Cleveland. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, it's, uh, you know, he's a powerful agent, and, 
you know, he, he's connected to a ton of coaches, general managers, players, and he can he can make things happen. He did in that draft. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks try to do something like that, and they're told, hey, tough stuff. That time he was able to make something happen, and quite frankly, I think it's benefited both the Giants and San Diego in the long run. But I guess we probably had to get back to the Eagles of Mariota. Let me just put it to you simply. Yes or no, do you think Mariota becomes an Eagle? Oof. I mean, because I'm like right on the I'm like right on the fence there. And I, I mean really it could go either way. I'm really at almost kind of like a true 50-50. You're, you're a coin standing on the edge and has to fall on one way or the other. <laughs> right. Now, if, okay. I ha- if I had to pick one or the other, I would lean toward them getting him. Okay. I'm gonna say no. And it's it's listen, I hate to be the party pooper, but I just think it's odds. You know, you have to get all the way to number two. The Titans could just take him. Uh, Tampa Bay or the Bucks me, could uh, just take him. The Bucks could take him number one. Cleveland could trade for him. The Jets could trade for him. You heard talk of San Diego and other odd teams, and there's just so many variables that for him to get to the Eagles two to twenty, I don't know. It just and listen, it could happen, and I'm not saying it's like a one percent possibility, nothing like that. But if you say, is there more than a 50% chance it happens? I don't think so. So I'm going to say I don't think it does. But like you said, Chip Kelly is going to try to make this happen. And if he does, there will be a lot of excited people. And if he doesn't, it's going to be a lot of interested people to see what the Eagles then do between that pick and 20 if they move up for anybody else or if they stay put and didn't make the pick. Okay, so do you? Okay, let's say they don't get him now and okay. players start to come off the board. Do you see any other players – that they could potentially try to trade up for. It's so hard to know what they want, what they think. Uh, Brandon Scherf is a really interesting guy, but is, yeah. he some, is he somebody you trade up for? Maybe. You could plug him in at right guard and he'd be a pretty terrific player. He would be somebody that comes to mind. And if they felt compelled to find a top-flight defensive player, the one guy that I'm kind of fascinated by for the Eagles is Bud Dupree from Kentucky. Okay. Uh, because he's just got he's got the size they like. He's got the ability to rush. He's got the ability to play the run. And if you watch a Kentucky game, I don't know one of every three, one of every four plays, he lined up almost over the slot. So he's got the ability to play in space, and he looks comfortable in coverage. So, and the guy's six foot four, two hundred and sixty nine pounds. You know, so he's a big linebacker who's the complete package. But they've got Barwin and Graham, and they just invested a first in Smith. Do they want to move up for a guy who plays that same position? It'd be a good long-term fit, but I, I don't know that it'll be a good short-term fit. Well, I guess it depends on what they think of Smith at this point. And in my opinion, I, I can't see how their expectations could be really all that high. I mean, obviously, he was a first-round pick, and I don't know that they're ready to give up on him just yet. But, uh, I mean, like I said, you wonder what their expectations for him are. And, and they don't have a lot of depth there if they – I mean, they don't have any depth at all, really – there if they don't think that he's going to be a contributor. No, but that's again where you sit there and you say, your short term, they've got Barwin and Graham, so they're set for this year. Smith is going to be in the mix for a backup spot. Brian Brayman in the mix for a backup spot. Travis Long in the mix for a backup spot. And then obviously they're going to add to the position somewhere in the draft. So, you know, there's enough there I think they can get through the year. If they wanted somebody long term, they could make that move. They also can address that position long term next year. So I don't think they feel like they have to do something there. It's just a case of if they fall in love with somebody. And Dupree, when you sort of look at what he does, does fit the Eagles. I just, to me, 
there's been a recent sort of buzz about him, and I got a feeling he may go higher. And they, he's, he's been a climber. He, it seems like he's been a guy like the media is starting to catch up now with what the NFL people actually think of him. Right. Well, and here's the problem with a guy like Dupree is, you know, you, you don't look it up and he's got 18 sacks. You, you know, he went to Kentucky. Again, you put on a Kentucky game and he's lined up over a slot receiver. Some people watch that and they don't know how to take all that in because they're used to seeing a defensive end, fly, you know, Vic Beasley from Clemson. They want to see a guy fly off the edge and pressure the quarterback every single snap. Vic Beasley does that. That's great. But three, four teams who want complete linebackers sometimes want guys who do different things. Dupree does a little bit of everything, and that's what makes him such an interesting guy. But there's not the compelling angle to him that like some passive fans or guys that just, you know, are, are just into the draft a little bit are going to be able to soak up with sack numbers and, and huge highlight plays. So a guy like Dupree maybe has more value to football people than to casual people. I do like Sheriff that uh, you mentioned him. That was a guy that uh, was Bruce Feldman, I think. He comes out with a list of like 10, 15, 20, right. quote-unquote, freaks every year. And before the college season this year, uh, Scherf was, you know, one of his top three to five uh, players on there. And just if you go in there and you look at the ridiculous numbers that he puts up in the weight room and wherever else, he's just an absolute athletic phenom that really kind of fits the mold of, of the kind of players that the Eagles have tried to target with the height, weight, speed, and, and you know, just their athleticism and, and their – Ethic and their, you know, the, the the weight room and all that stuff. So he's he's a guy that'd be a good fit. I can see them trading up for him. And then the one other guy that fits an obvious need, that has the size and the speed and the coverage ability is Trey Waynes, the the cornerback from Michigan State. Although that's a guy that I really can't see getting into the teens. And I don't think you want to if you're moving from twenty up until somewhere earlier than than twelve and possibly even the top ten. I don't think you're going to make that kind of move for a cornerback that's going to be a little bit too expensive. If he did fall into the teens, then you know I, I think certainly that's a guy that they could try to move up for. But I just don't know how realistic that it is that he'll fall that far. The other issue with you have with a guy like that is the fact that corner is a deep position this year. Also so- true. There's going to be a good corner at 20 and probably even 30. Why move up for a guy who's going to be better, but not necessarily significantly better? So, yeah, what you say makes sense, but I think the depth of the position makes a a move up for Wayne's null and void. And you know what? You can actually make that argument for offensive line and edge rusher and wide receiver as well, which also happen to be all the Eagles' biggest needs. Well, that's true, but that's where you have to get into specifics. Like a guy like Scherf, is going to be a different player than some of the other players are going to be on the board. And so he might be somebody that you say, well, we really want that guy because like personality to me, intangibles are more important on the offensive line than they maybe are at corner where guys feel more interchangeable. I think on the offensive line, you know, you've got those five guys to get that chemistry, that bond. And that may be where if you say, sure, if there's a guy we absolutely love, maybe that's the guy you're more willing to sell off for than a guy like, uh, Trey Waynes, nothing against Trey. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but when you're on an island, you're on an island. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes uh, the chemistry aspect is a little less. Maybe you don't love the guy enough to go pay the price for him. And, and the other thing with linebacker, again, you talk about uh, Dupree having a complete <coughs> skill set versus a guy like Shane Ray. Shane Ray's a speed rusher. You know, if you had the wide nine, you'd love Shane Ray because he flies off the edge 100 miles in every play. If you love a speed rusher, you love Vic Beasley, although he's, you know, this year he played at 230 pounds. With a guy like uh, Dupree, he is literally just about exactly what you'd want for an Eagles outside linebacker. So he would be such a perfect fit that that may be something they say, 
it is worth to go get that because because that's exactly what we're looking for. Lit up the combine too, like the numbers that he put up there, and I don't have it in front of me, but they were kind of actually. I'll just pull them up real quick. They were yeah, he had like a had like a forty two inch vertical four, four five four five six forty. And the only negative, he didn't have good change of direction drill. Yeah, the three cone wasn't wasn't good. He's he's a straight line guy, and that shows up on tape. Although he looks more agile on tape than those times would would lead you to believe. But the guy has explosive ability. Forty two inch vertical. Forty two. At, <laughs> at, at two hundred and sixty nine pounds. Right, right. I mean, you talk about Chris Conley. The water's here for George. He's two hundred and thirteen pounds. He had a forty five inch vertical. That's amazing, but. 269 going 42 inches. Right. That's hard to wrap your head around. That's astonishing. So that that tells you he's got the lower body explosion and he can fly up the field as a pass rusher. So yeah, and and again, the guy has covered. He, you know, he could go out and cover a wide receiver. Now he's not gonna be some shutdown cover guy. Don't misunderstand me. But 15 yards down the field in the flat against a wide receiver, he's done it before. So it's not foreign to him the way it was to guys like Brandon Graham and Trent Cole when the new coaching staff took over and said, you're now a linebacker and not just a pass rusher. Dupree, right. Dupree is a complete linebacker. Well, let's move on to if, they, if they're sitting at 20. Okay. First guy that – okay, so the, the guy that I think is they're most likely to take if they are unable to, to trade up for Mariota – and actually I'm wondering if I'm even buying this anymore because I think he, I think he might be gone by the time the Eagles pick. That's Byron Jones, the cornerback from, from UConn, who again just kind of checks off all the Eagles' boxes in terms of height, weight, speed, and then just what they look for in the position and that he's – what is he, 6'1", 199 pounds, and you know is a physical player, good at, uh, good at press coverage, can play off. And then, of course, he has or has the reputation for just being a tremendous character guy. So that's a guy that they've visited, that they've worked out a couple different times. They brought him to the Novacare Complex, gave him an abnormal amount of attention during the pre-jab process. I just think that's a guy that fits what they want to do, and they really like him, and they've really done extensive homework on him. So all signs kind of point to them being very interested in, in, in Byron Jones in the first round. I think Chip Kelly's already gotten to third base with Byron Jones. <laughs> he may have. I mean, they've been on multiple dates here, and this is not just uh, them going to the movies. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. If I had to, to bet money on who the Eagles' first-round pick was going to be, completely agree, Byron Jones. Good player. Really, when you watch him as a corner, can stick with guys all over the field. Tremendous cover skills. Spent his first two years at UConn as a safety. He did have a, I believe it was a shoulder injury this year. Missed about half the season. He missed the senior bowl because of that injury. Uh, he uh, he's in good shape now. He's ready to go for the for the upcoming season. Great athlete, a really good guy. Makes a lot of sense. I like him. I don't love him necessarily for whatever reason. There's just something about him that I I, I, I the guy's a terrific cover guy. But there's just something about him that I don't love. I prefer Eric Rowe from Utah. As yeah, a, over well, I'm not saying he's better. I prefer there's something when I watch him. I see more instincts, and I love instinctive football players. Uh, Jones, I think, in terms of physical gifts, is really special because when you watch him, he can just shadow receivers all over the field. He gets in their hip pocket, and he goes nowhere. He is sticking right with those guys. But there's just something about a guy who has sort of a feel for football, knows what's going on, and, and is involved in the things around him beyond just the guys covered, and that's the vibe. Rowe was a safety for three years before moving to corner, and when I watch Rowe, he just seems like – 
again, his on-field knowledge, I just – after the guys we've had in the secondary for the last two years, I want smart players. And Roe, to me, seems like a really smart player and an instinctive player as well. Jones also, I mean, we talked about Bud Dupree and the performance that he put up at the Combine. The Combine that Byron Jones had, and he, he didn't run the 40, but he did just about everything else. He was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the, he you saw the – I mean, everyone by now has seen the broad jump that he had right. where it almost just doesn't look like – it was a human that <laughs> he looked like some, some sort of like bug or it's special effects. It's gotta be nobody jumps 12, <laughs> three. It was, and his vertical leap was, you mentioned Chris Conley was, was 45. I think Jones was 44 or 45. Um, so he was way up there too. And then everything else, the three cone, the 20 yard shuttle, the 40, the 60 yard shuttle, uh, the bench press, everything was good. He has good arm length. He's got good hand size. And like I mentioned already, he's got the height and weight at 6'1", 199. So he's got everything that you could possibly ever want from a height, weight, speed uh, perspective. All right. Well, let's uh, you know, if, if the Eagles decided to not go with Jones or if he's off the board and there's some an offensive lineman we have to talk about is Jake Fisher from Oregon. Yep. I, I know some people are going to go, oh, no, Chip Kelly's getting his boy. Hey, let's go ahead and set this straight right now. Jake Fisher is a top-flight prospect for all 32 teams. The guy is a uh, four-year player. Yeah, you know, he's, he had started three years, I think, two at right tackle, one at left tackle, had maybe the best uh, combine performance of any offensive lineman who was in Indianapolis, is a really good athlete. He's a tenacious blocker. This guy deserves to be a first-round pick. He's a high-quality player. So this is not Oregon bias. This is a guy who legitimately – belongs in the top 32 picks. So uh, it would only make sense that the Eagles need somebody at that spot and the guy's available and he does have the Oregon connection. That's a bonus. Yeah. And some people think that he can move the guard at the, uh, at the next level. And that's a guy. And when you look at what the Eagles have on their offensive line, and I think this has been covered extensively, but I'll just go through it again real quick. Obviously they, they released Todd Harriman's Evan Mathis has been on the trading block. So they're, and he may or may not be on the team by the by the end of the draft weekend. So they're going to need guards regardless. And even even if they keep Evan Mathis, he's you know getting into his mid thirties, as is Jason Peters. So you you need to start filling in some youth and depth along that offensive line. We saw what happened last year when they had a, a bunch of injuries at the same time. They're exposed right. to some degree with with the with the the depth that they had along the offensive line. So. You have to start filling guys in behind the, these older guys that either are going to be in decline or just not going to be around much longer. So Fisher can be, a, you know, sort of the right guard of the future and the right tackle. I'm sorry, the right guard of the present and the right tackle of the future. You know, whenever you see, uh, whenever you really start to see a decline in Jason Peters, I think we started to see a little bit in 2014. But when you really start to see it, that's when you can move Lane Johnson over from right tackle to left tackle, and then you can move a guy like Fisher, who's Planted in there as your right guard, kick him out the right tackle. And there are actually a lot of guys in this draft that sort of fit that profile. But Fisher, of course, is going to be a guy that Chip Kelly has familiar with. You know, you mentioned that there isn't an Oregon bias. Maybe there's a little bit because it does. There, there are some of the variables removed there. Obviously, they're going to be more familiar with him from a character perspective. But I don't think there's really ish, any issues with, with with character with Jake Fisher in terms of any of the other 32 teams. I don't think they're going to see anything you know bad with him. I had a chance to to sit down and listen to him talk at the combine. So you know, he seemed like 
a, a pretty level-headed guy that, that uh, you know, isn't going to give anyone any problems. But that's a guy that, again, fits a need both in the short term and the long term, along with some other guys on that, you know, along with some other offensive line prospects in, in this draft. And I'll say real quickly, when I first watched Jake Fisher this year, this was his first year at left tackle. And he looked a little bit awkward to me. I could see the guy was a talented player, but he looked a little awkward to me. So when there was first talk about him at 20, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like him that. I thought of him as a second-round player. And then I watched more and more of him. And then I went back and I watched 2013. And you see him at right tackle, which was his natural spot. He was used to playing it. He played on the right side his first three years at Oregon, guard and tackle. And he was so much more comfortable and so much more aggressive and the guy has, I don't want to say he's John Runyon, but he's got a nasty streak to him. And I think all of us who watch John Runyon have a soft spot in our hearts for linemen that love to to be nasty, get, Dirty. get, <laughs> get cheap shots in, shove guys, elbow guys, fall on guys. We love seeing that stuff. And Jake Fisher has some of that. So I think he could play. I, I don't think he's a, a, an ideal fit at guard, but I think an eagle system may be all right. Could be a really good right tackle for the Eagles. He's a, he's a player that's really grown on me. Would be a good pick. Uh, quickly, let's go back to Rowe. I think he's in the mix at pick 20. Do you agree with that? Yes or nah, no? Nah, I don't like him there. And Rowe is a guy that's kind of been all over the map in terms of where people have him. I don't like him there at 20 at all. I think he's either sort of a trade back option or possibly even second round, although I don't think he'll last that long. So, But he's just the guy that I'm not as high on. I'm a little bit – that's a guy that's actually been on my radar since, like, September of last year because of the you know the height weight and and the versatility and that he played cornerback and safety but when I watched him at the senior bowl and he's the guy that I you know sort of was keeping an eye on they actually started him out at safety at the senior bowl so maybe the Eagles could possibly see him there but I was just really wasn't all that impressed seeing, seeing him live in action and maybe I'm tainted by that and maybe I'm that that's sticking out in my mind more than what he actually did in, in games this year. But for whatever reason, I just don't like him at that. I like him as a player, and I like uh, I think he's yeah, that's, for the Eagles, but I just don't right. like him at 20. Okay, and that's fair. I'll tell you this with Roe. Uh, when I first watched him, it was, I mean, I guess they, they played Michigan early in the season, I want to say, and I watched part of the Michigan game, and I was like, yeah, you know, he's that's, that's a third-round guy. Well, I didn't take into account that that was one of his first games playing cornerback. Yeah, right. And, First three seasons, he was safety. And so, as I when I like when I watched a, a game late in the season, and then when I when I studied his bowl performance, I was really impressed with how the guy played. And again, part of it, I love smart, instinctive players. And if you watch tape, you watch enough, you can just see guys that get it. They know what's going on around them. And he really grew on me the more I watched him and began to appreciate his his, his skills and. Uh, so he's a guy, if they took him at 20, I'd have no problems with that whatsoever. Uh, to me, you know, there's going to be probably a little run on wide receivers before 20. And I think, in my mind, there's only one guy that definitely would be on the board and for, up for discussion, <clears throat> and that would be Brashad Perriman from uh, Central Florida. Have you had a chance to watch much of Perriman? I haven't. All I know is the... Uh, the, you know, the, the 4.2, whatever he ran at his pro day and this, the scouts, um, you know, uh, timing him, they're all kind of looking at each other and laughing after he ran it. You don't really right. see that, that, that often from, from, uh, NFL scouts that, you know, that when they're impressed that much by, by a 40 time, 
Uh, actually, I take that back. I have watched him a little bit. The Eagles brought him in for a uh, for for a pre-draft visit. I think I only really watched sort of a highlight package of him, which isn't really watching them. But um, you know, certainly he's a he's a guy that has size at six two and can run fast. You know, I think he's thought of as a sort of a raw route runner. I can't really speak. Um, I can't really speak to that, having having not watched him extensively. I think the other knock on him, if, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that he had a number of drops um, at, at, at Central Florida. So um, obviously, you had a better chance to watch him than I have. So you should probably be the one speaking on him. Well, you know, I, I don't have extensive knowledge on him. I've watched a, a few games, uh, and the guy has his speed is legitimate. It shows up on the field. If a running, if a corner plays off him, he eats up that cushion and blows right by the guy. Uh, he will work the middle of the field. He will catch crossing routes, catches the ball in traffic. I've seen good hands at him. He's caught, made some tough catches, and he's a okay. hands catcher. Okay. I like that. And one of the things I like, if you watch him, go watch his highlights package for a simplistic thing and watch how many times he catches 40 and 50-yard touchdowns above his head or extending out or leaning back or over the corner. His quarterback's play this year was highly erratic, and so he was catching passes all over the place. He has great concentration, and in that way, it might remind you of Devin Smith from Ohio State. Okay. Really good downfield receiver, but this guy's got more explosion, and I don't know. I, I like him. I, I think he'd be interesting because the Eagles don't have an explosive receiver. So to me, I think he's in the mix at 20. I don't know if that's, a, a in fact, the case, but I think he, he probably should be in the mix. Uh, let's talk about a couple of other players that, that could be uh, there in the discussion at 20. Do you think Kevin Johnson lasts that long in the corner from Wake Forest? Or do you think he's gone by then? Uh, I think he could be there. And that's a guy, again, that has, has good size. I think it like six foot, 188. Does that sound about right? And um, he I'm, is. I'm at 187 and a half. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, my mistake. That's all right. Uh, well, how do you know that he hasn't eaten a Kit Kat since since uh, you you marked that down? We were texting when you uh, called me. Oh, I apologize. Okay. So yeah. So he's kind of thought of as you know more of a complete corner, um, right. in that in that he's the he's more polished player. I think he only ran like a four five four five right. two or four five three. So he doesn't really have that great long speed. But I, I I do believe that a number of his other measurables at the combine did show some explosion and that he either had a really good broad jump or vertical jump or, or was just good. Uh, I may as well stop guessing and just look him up here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, well it's, I, you know, it's, he's not a compelling player to me. The Eagles are showing some interest. He's a, is a really polished. Ver- vertical jump and broad jump were, were outstanding. 20 yard shuttle was outstanding. Uh, three cone drill was good, but the forty yard forty yard dash, which is what you know, NFL. If there is one position in the NFL where the forty yard dash really does matter to NFL people, it's corner because they want to. They want got, that is a, a position where you do have to run forty yards on a sprint, right? You know, ch- oh, yeah. chasing, chasing wide receivers down the field, and obviously it matters for wide receivers in the same respect. So the four five two does bother you a little bit, but you know he is sort of a more polished NFL ready cornerback. So it, I think he fits the Eagles in that respect, and that they, they need somebody now. They need somebody to, to play opposite Byron Maxwell right now because they don't really have a lot of other compelling options on the roster as is. So if they can get him at 20 and they can fill him in right away at, at, at on the other side, I don't know that he really has much of an of, of a great upside. Like a guy like Eric Rowe or Byron Jones or or even like uh, like like uh, like a Jalen Collins who they're not going to touch now more than likely. Uh, this is a guy that that you know can start potentially right away but again maybe not maybe not have that quote-unquote superstar ability or superstar upside 
Let's talk about a pair of offensive linemen I think could also be in the mix at 20. And for me, this is kind of wrap up the first round discussion. Yep. Uh, I think Cameron Irving, uh, who is an interesting guy, he played left tackle <laughs> at Florida State and then moved to center halfway through his senior year and was better at center than he had been at left tackle. And I think he had been an all-conference left tackle as a junior. So the guy is a uh, is obviously an athletic blocker. He's versatile. And to me, if you can play center and left tackle, you sure as heck can play right guard. You know, or left guard, depending on which you know what the Eagles need. As you said, we don't know what's going on exactly at other spots. But Irving, I think, could be in the mix. Chip Kelly loves his athletes, versatile guys, and, and Irving fits the bill there. And a player that I really like at twenty, and it may be a little early for him, but I really like him is T.J. Clemmings from Pitt. And to me, he, let's just put it simply: he's the most physical run blocker in the entire draft. He can move you from point A to point B, and it does not matter a lick whether you want to go or not. He's got that right. kind of power. And so to me, if if I could have anybody at 20, I, I really lean toward Clemmings. Uh, but Irving also is a player because he chipped Kelly like in both of those guys. Clemmings was another guy that I didn't like at the Senior Bowl. And I kind of thought of him as, no, don't want him. Don't want him at 20. And then you had actually posted a video um, sort of, I think it was, I don't know if you had Fisher accompanying with that video or maybe I was just watching Fisher at the time, but you can kind of see the difference in those two players in that Fisher and some of these other guys in, in the draft win with, and actually and a lot of the current Eagles on their offensive line win with technique and speed and agility, whereas right. Clemmings just moves guys against their will. And, and when, when you posted a, a highlight video of him, where he's just destroying people. And it's right. almost kind of comical watching him just absolutely ab- obliterate defensive linemen and linebackers. And you don't see him let up when he's got a corner in his sights. And he's just absolutely killing guys. It's really fun. It's, it's like three, three and a half minutes. Really fun. It's probably the, one of the more fun highlight tapes that I watched the entire offseason. That's rare from an offensive lineman. Usually the fun highlight tapes that you watch are, are like wide receivers or running backs. But I really enjoyed watching him absolutely destroy people. It was glorious. And, and, and you know, you're, the way you're phrasing it, let me put it to you as simply as possible. Jake Fisher will block you. TJ Clemmings will move you. Right, right. And the blocking is good. Blocking, like you said, that's what Evan Mathis is going to do. That's what Jason Kelsey is going to do. But isn't it nice when you have that guy who just can say, you're going for a ride, buddy, and we're headed in that direction. There's nothing you can do about it. And so, yeah, Clemming's a guy. Love that guy to death. Love that guy to death. And the other guy that's kind of like him is, uh, in in some ways, is Lyle Collins from LSU. Now, he has an issue that – that cropped up today. We're recording this podcast on uh, Tuesday night, by the way. So uh, he, he had an issue that, that that popped up today, in that his ex girlfriend or his girlfriend was was murdered, and their cops are calling him to to question him. And not that he's involved in the murder, or he murdered her or anything, but they're calling him because uh, she had the, the girlfriend was was pregnant, and they're able to um, deliver the the the, the baby. And the baby's apparently in critical condition, so they're calling him to. to, to it's just it, it, it's it's a it's a very weird situation. And right. when, you're, it's, when it's Tuesday of draft week, you know, at this point, how much how much investigative work can you do at this point if you're an NFL team trying to look into that? So the timing for him is absolutely horrible for 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 this to go down. And, you know, not, not, I mean, somebody died. So, I mean, like, I mean, somebody's draft stock kind of 
pales in the comparison to, right. to somebody dying. But if you're an NFL team trying to evaluate a player and decide whether you want to use a first round pick on them, now you have this to worry about. And and like like you had mentioned, you know, uh, when we were t- when we were speaking, you know, if if you have Lyle uh, Lyle Collins and and a similarly rated offensive lineman on your board, you're going to take the other guy. Yeah, you just there are too many X factors. And, you know, it's probably a horrible tragedy that he's just as, as a tangential player in. But, again, because of the timing and because of the insane stuff that's gone on in the NFL this past year, you got to be careful about that stuff. So, you know, I hate it for him, and I, and I hope it's just a bizarre tragedy and whatever, but uh, it will affect his status possibly. One more player, uh, real quick, before, before yeah, we move sure. on to the next round. One Go more player. First of all, Brady Gregory, do you think there is any chance that he slides to the Eagles of 20? And if so, I mean, they obviously place a high emphasis on character. He had uh, marijuana issues. Can he slide there? And if so, would they take him? I think he absolutely could be on the board at 20. And uh, heck, I you know he could be on a board at thirty. I, we, we're going to see really? how interactive. Absolutely. Anytime you test positive at the combine, this is not a drug issue. It's a stupidity issue. <laughs> you, right. you know, you know the combine is coming. You, you, I mean, I can tell you right now, the combine next year is going to be February twenty fifth or twenty seventh or whatever. It's that time every year. You know it's coming. Right. And if you can't quit smoking pot for a month before right. the combine, well, right, where the sticks get, are the highest, <laughs> get your urine clean. I mean, you know, come on, man. I mean, you know, heck, I got, <laughs> right. I got friends that have done this for jobs. You right. just don't smoke for a few weeks or for a month. Come March the 1st, if you want to go home and bake, man, have fun, brother. But that, for a month, you got to just lay off the good stuff and have a few beers. So that's legal. So it, it's just a stupidity issue. It's not a drug issue. Uh, and, you know, Gregory, I just, to me, he's, who knows? I really have no idea. It will not shock me at all if that guy's he's, available late in the first round. And he's so I don't, good, though. He is. He is good, but I. He's not a player. You know. Here's the other thing. He was 235 pounds at the combine. I think he at, at a pro day or a workout with some team. I want to see. Was like 227, 228 pounds. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. You know, that guy's six foot five. He needs to be 260 pounds. <laughs> he needs to get on the Lawler diet. Uh, right. He needs to have a Snickers bar in one hand and a Whopper in the other and a bag of Funyuns in front of him. I mean, we got to get that fellow some food. How can you be a pothead and not have the munchies? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I just I, there are too many questions. I, if the Eagles take him, I mean, the guy has tremendous talent. I would not be disappointed, but I can't tell you I'm all fired up about him becoming an Eagle. Okay, so did you do like a trade back category too, or uh, just moved on to the to the second round? I I didn't, and I'll let me I'll explain this pretty quickly. Uh, to me, there's only about ten to fifteen players in the first round that are kind of the top tier, and after that, from like fifteen to fifty five, yeah. those, those forty or so guys are interchangeable. <laughs> right. I, I think a guy could easily go like a player like Philip Dorsett from wide, the wide receiver from Miami. Sure. It, it won't shock me if he goes 20. It won't shock me if he goes 54. Either one. And and there are Shaq Thompson, the linebacker from Washington. Same yep. thing. Top yep. 20 pick or pick 53. Either one. There, And that's because this is kind of an odd draft class with a lot of guys that are very evenly graded and very similar. They all have great things about them. They all have some warts. And you just got to – it's all about match and feel and 
what a particular team wants or doesn't want that has that particular pick. Well, let's just start naming. Let's start rattling guys off, sort of that are in that category, then, because I, I kind of have the same thing here. Um, let's see. You want to just rattle them off quick, rapid fire, one at a time. Take turn. You go back. You go. I go. Name up. Name me a player, and then I'll go. Nelson Aguilar. He's the top of my list. <laughs> <laughs> Wide receiver, USC. Obviously, a really good player. Can add some added value. A special teamer, uh, punt returner but runs fantastic routes, good hands. And you look at his stats on the 2014 season, started slow, like his first six games or so. Um, you know, he's actually averaging less than 10 yards per catch, um, had like 40-something catches, and his stats were wholly unimpressive. In that second half of the season, he absolutely exploded. He was averaging close to 150 yards per game and just put up big-time numbers in terms of a volume catcher. Uh, you know, yards for yards for catch went way up, scored more touchdowns. So I think that he could be a guy that sort of replaces what Jeremy Macklin did and that Macklin was sort of the volume catcher last year, although you are going to see a guy like Jordan Matthews and, and probably Zach Ertz pick up, um, you know, a lot more catches in 2015 and beyond with Macklin gone. But Aguilar could be a guy who kind of steps in and, and, and picks up some of the slack that, that Jeremy Macklin left off. All right, let's stick with wide receivers, and I'll stick with my man Philip Dorsett from Miami. Yeah, you know he's, he's a smaller guy, five ten, about one hundred eighty three pounds. Runs in the low four threes, and here there's a guy who averaged twenty four yards a catch, and I think he had ten touchdowns this year. He is kind of he's similar to Deshaun Jackson. Let's not hide it. He's just a guy that is a little bit bigger. I mean, Deshaun was five foot nine and a half at about one hundred and seventy pounds. So this guy's one hundred and eighty three, and he carries it naturally. Deshaun bulked up to get to one seventy five. Uh, right before the combine, I think it was, and he, he played at probably 165, 170. So this guy could maybe bulk up to maybe 190 pounds carry. He's not going to be a big guy, but he has a little thickness to him. Terrific body control, good route runner. I stood at the Senior Bowl practices on uh, Tuesday this year. It used to be the old Monday day, but the Tuesday when we stand right, up at, on, the, on the, the high field. School. Yeah, at the high school. And I was standing next to scouts and a general manager, and we were right there watching <laughs> Dorset and – Everybody's just like, wow, that guy is so explosive, but so natural. He doesn't have to go flying full speed. He doesn't have to build up. It just goes, and then he can control because he can stop on a dime. And it's just really impressive guy that I think would be a great fit for, for the Eagles receiving core. And not just a vertical guy. He'll go over the middle, catch passes in traffic, and then turn it up and get yards after the catch. And yards after the catch, absolutely. Now, he doesn't do it by bowling you over like a Sammy Coates, but the guy's got the ability to make people miss and, and scoot down the field. And we'll stick with the senior bowl for the next one here. The guy that we talked to after practice one day was Ali Marpet. The, he played tackle at Hobart, small D3 uh, school in, in New York. But in the pros, he's probably going to either be a center or a guard and that's a guy who had tremendous athleticism at the combine, and he really stood out at the Senior Bowl, playing against all these, you know, big time D one guys. Really, the only guy that was able to block uh, uh, the the big guy from Washington, whose name is escaping me right now, the nose tackle. Help me out Dan, here, Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton is one of the only guys that could block Danny Shelton all week. And this is, you know, Ali Marpet is outweighed by Danny Shelton by what 60, 70 pounds, and this is a guy that just is really athletic. I think he'd fit in nicely with some of the guys that are already on the Eagles roster uh, along the offensive line, sort of in the same mold as, a, as an Evan Mathis or a Jason Kelsey, who has athleticism, is smart, 
can kind of get out there on on screens and and can you know can pull and and, and get to the second level and do a lot of those type things in the, in the run game and I think he'd just kind of be a seamless fit and that's a guy who is you know obviously not thought of all that highly really not all that well known before the senior bowl and now he is and it's kind of worked his way into that second round conversation I'll tell you my favorite player in the whole draft I think is another guy you and I talked to at the senior bowl and that's Quentin Rollins from Miami yep. of Ohio and here's a guy who was a point guard on the basketball team for four years, got done, realized the NBA wasn't going to happen. So he decided to spend a fifth year in college and play football. And he becomes a starting cornerback and becomes the Mac defensive player of the year, has seven interceptions. The guy's a good hitter. He's a good tackler. He has great hands. He's a natural, instinctive football player. He laughed at our dumb jokes in Mobile. And he was a funny guy. He was insightful and friendly. I would love for the Eagles to draft this guy in the second round, whether they play him in corner. I'd love to see them try it at safety. I think he could be a terrific safety in NFL. Love the kid to death. He doesn't have great long speed. He's right around four or five. But to me, that's fast enough based on his corner skills, or if they put him in safety, that's plenty fast. Love Quentin Rollins. Would love to see the Eagles take a chance on him. Yeah, I agree. And uh, another guy that, uh, that we talked about early on, but I haven't really heard much of him recently, and I haven't talked about him recently, is Preston Smith, who, you know, to be determined what his position would be. Well, that's the, the Eagles. thing. Would, would the Eagles, do the Eagles have interest in him? Because where would they play him? Right. I mean, does he play defensive end? He played a lot of different positions at, at Mississippi State, but he, he could possibly be a defensive end for the Eagles. Maybe they stick him outside as an edge rusher uh, as in sort of that predator role. And, you know, you and I had, I, I believe you had actually mentioned that, that he played nose tackle when yes. uh, when Mississippi State was, when, when, you know, opposing offenses were in obvious passing situations, has good height at 6'5", get his hands in the air, had some batted passes. But just a guy who's, you know, versatile. I don't know if, you have like these tweener labels, and in the past, a tweener was always sort of like a, a, a you know, a, a, a yucky type word, whereas now... It's it, it can almost be viewed as as a positive, and right. if the Eagles can use him creatively, that he'd be a good fit within their defense. But again, we're talking about a defense here that didn't even have a dime package <laughs> until last year. So I don't know how I mean I don't know how much I don't know how creative they're going to be. I would assume that eventually Billy Davis is, is going to start to get more creative and and maybe use a guy like like Preston Smith or a guy like Shaq Thompson who don't really have any you know. De- definitive, you know, position that they're going to be that they're going to be playing in the, in the NFL at the next level. So I, I do think he's an intriguing player and, and does make sense for the Eagles. But where do you put him? A guy that I think the Eagles like quite a bit is uh, the li- inside linebacker from Clemson, Stephon Anthony. They went down and had dinner with him <laughs> the night before his pro day, and I think that was Bill Davis and Chip Kelly. Okay, and uh, obviously they took a look at him at the Senior Bowl. They saw him at the uh, the combine. So. They've been exposed to him plenty. They were a heavy presence at his pro day. The guy's a really good athlete, six foot three, two hundred forty five pounds. Looks like he was born to play inside linebacker in a three four. You know, with Alonzo and Kendricks and Ryan's doesn't make sense. But the Eagles have been checking out inside linebackers hard and heavy this whole spring. There's something there. Maybe they're going to deal Kendricks. Maybe they just want to load up for the future. I don't know what it is. Anthony's a guy that can stuff the run, can uh, rush the passer, has some cover skills, would be an interesting second-round pick. And and you go you go to listen to the guy talk. He sounds like an intelligent young man, has a good presence about him, the kind of guy you want running in the middle of your defense. So 
he's a player that I think the Eagles probably like more than maybe the average fan realizes. Yeah, and another guy that, that and again, I don't know if he's an inside linebacker or, or an outside linebacker or a combo of the two would be Bernardo McKinney, another guy from from uh, Mississippi State who, um, you know, is a, is a, is a big guy at, at 6'4", what, 240-something, I think. So, you know, does he play inside linebacker at the next level? He played some outside linebacker at Mississippi State, so they kind of moved him around all over the field, versatile player. And I think back in the day, this is a guy that would be, you know, maybe in that top 15 to 20 pick conversation as a, you know, as, as a guy that could be sort of a run stuffer. I think that the question mark with McKinney is, can he run with tight ends? Can he, uh, can, can he cover uh, wide receivers in, in, in zone coverage uh, across the middle? I think that's kind of where his, um, the concerns are with him, but as, as a run stopper and, and a guy that can blitz the quarterback, he's certainly a good player in that regard. And like I said, if you're talking about, uh, you know the the height and weight or the, the height requirements that 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 the Eagles seem to be so concerned with. That's a guy that that certainly they would target, and they did bring him in for a visit to the Novacare Complex. I'm not a big fan. The guy has tremendous potential, but you watch him play and it's awkward. You see flashes of real ability, and then I, I don't know. Part of it is the fact that Mississippi State used them in a lot of different ways, and they did the same thing with Smith. They moved these guys around, and sometimes that hurts a player because he can't get into a groove in one yeah, position. That makes sense. So. You know, and, I, and I'll tell you that according to Tony Pauline, the Dallas Cowboys are hot and heavy after this guy. So who knows if he'll even make it to the second round, or maybe he's talking about Dallas taking really? him. Really? Dallas first round second. with him, huh? He's talking about Dallas and him. I assume he means in the first round. You know, do you, I don't know. Maybe McKinney slides to the bottom of the second round. But And I know Dallas uh, was going to look at him as a defensive end prospect. So, mm. interesting. So, uh, I'm going to throw a name at you here, and I know you're going to hate this, which is part of why I love it. <laughs> okay. Do you remember a guy in Mobile that was not the best passer on the intermediate routes? I don't. I would have a problem with that. I, I actually have him on my list in the third round. Okay, but, but uh, yeah, you're talking about Bryce Petty, of course. My best friend, Bryce Petty, absolutely. Right. My BFF, BP, and me. I would. Um, I wouldn't be terribly disappointed with that. Okay, I, for some reason, I thought you were on the yeah, you hated Bryce Petty committee. Nah, uh, no, not so much. There are some people that really can't stand it, and it's not personal. I mean, I don't, I don't want them in the second round, but I don't have a problem with them. You know, you, you, with quarterbacks, you have to overdraft a little bit. So I put him down in the second round as a potential okay. target, especially because the Eagles are late. You know, you're pick 52. You know, once you get, we get to the bottom of the second round, you know, there's no, uh, all bets are off. So, yep. Uh, Petty would be interesting. I just think he'd be a great fit for the Eagles because he's used to playing in a, an up-tempo offense. Baylor, maybe the fastest offense in all of college football. Yep. He, uh, if you're if you're the Baltimore Ravens or if you're the whoever that runs a conventional offense, that guy's not necessarily perfect for you. But if you're the Eagles, there might be something there. So if you miss on Mariota, maybe you'd take a look at Bryce Petty in the second round. Right, and it's the same argument for Mariota, why the Eagles would have more, uh, you know, potentially have, have – uh, more interested in, in Mariota than many other teams for because for many other teams guys that are quarterbacks that are coming out of that the, those spread offenses in college are almost pure projections to the next level in terms of can they drop back and sit in the pocket and go through you know reads and progressions and and you know find find the open receiver whereas exactly at, whereas at Baylor and Oregon guys are just running wide open and it's just a right. matter of hit them so. Yeah, I mean, from the Eagles' perspective, they don't. It's and you know, I would imagine that they wouldn't 
wouldn't worry so much about that as, as a number of other teams. So yeah, I think Bryce Petty makes, and another guy too, um, you know, further, much way, way down, further down the line, maybe seventh round is, is Cody Fajardo sort of, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly out of uh, Nevada, who also runs the spread offense. I think he kind of falls into that same bucket as well. Right. I would agree with that. Uh, let's stick in a second round. You got anybody left to talk about? Uh, well, you mentioned Shaq Thompson. I think we should just cover him real quick. Um, Absolutely. I don't, I, I don't know if he gets out of the first round. We'll see. Uh, that's a guy that can kind of go anywhere. I think you've mentioned the Seahawks with him. They'll find, you know, they'll draft him and 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 he'll go to eight Pro Bowls with the Seahawks. But right. he's a, he's a guy that's 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 short and and he's and he's and he's light for for an inside linebacker. What six foot? Like a hundred and or I'm sorry, two hundred and like twenty pounds. A little more than two hundred twenty pounds. And he's fat. Well, he's, he's he's very athletic, rather. No, no here, here's the thing. Here, I don't mean to cut you. He's six foot, two hundred twenty eight pounds. He had a he had a solid workout at the combine, but not great. And that's the thing. We all expected him to be this explosive, dynamic athlete, and he his, wasn't. His forty times stunk, if I recall correctly. I think it was okay. I want to say he ran like a four five four six, which is okay, but right, it's right, not the great four four six four. But that's not great for two twenty eight. That's great right, for right, that's right. great for like two sixty eight. He's two twenty eight. So he's not a great athlete, but when you put on the tape, this guy makes a lot of plays. He played inside linebacker. He played running back and even played some some defensive back in the past. He's good at running back. He could be a running back in the NFL. He could be drafted as a running back. And he says he doesn't want it. He said he wants to be a linebacker. He's open to playing safety, but he wants no part of being a running back. And to me, I would tell the NFL, dude, I will wash dishes if that's what you want. Draft me as early as possible, and I will be do whatever you want. <laughs> right. I, I honestly don't know what to think of him because I don't think he necessarily fits what the Eagles want at safety. And at 228 pounds, he's not much bigger than Michael Kendricks, and if you feel like they want to move on from Michael Kendricks for lack of size. And linebacker, I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know. The Eagles are checking him out. Maybe it's just to make sure they're not missing on something, but I'd love to know what Chip Kelly thinks of this guy. Right, he's, he's what I call Will Ferrell at – Olive Garden, uh, when the, he's in the trust tree in the nest in old school, where you know he's he's with right. the uh, he's with his wife and the uh, the marriage counselor, and he's saying you know he's he's looking at the the way he's talking about he's looking at the waitress at Olive Garden, and you know he starts wondering what kind of panty she's wearing. He, right. like, they're probably basic cotton white, or maybe it's a thong, or maybe it's something cool that I don't even know about. Well, right. Like, Maybe Shaq Thompson plays some cool position that I don't even know about. Like you, you figure out a way to use him because what he does is he makes plays. Like you see, you see his highlight reel, and you see him. What did he score? Like four defensive touchdowns last year. That's the thing. He scoops the ball up and he's gone. And you're like, right. so he plays faster than he tests. I think we'd all agree on that. But he's just an unusual player, and I think the guy could be a really good NFL player. But he's got to be a coach has to embrace. The fact he's unique, and I just don't know that that's Bill Davis and Chip Kelly. I'm with I you. I don't there. know. I'm with okay. you. Okay. Uh, a player that, listen, I, you and I, neither one of us is keen on this guy, but we got to talk about him. And that, the question now becomes does he make it to the second round? And I'm talking about Pac Penn star Demarius Randall. Oh. There is now discussion that he's going to go in the first round. Ugh. Peter King put him in a mock to the Eagles at 20. Tony Pauline was talking about the Colts may cover him at the end of the first round. The Colts can have him. He's 5'11". He's 196 pounds. He runs well. You know, he had, uh, I don't know, seven or eight career interceptions in two years at Arizona State. 
you watch his highlights and you see like, okay, this is a really interesting player. Then you watch full games and you see his lowlights and you go, wait a minute, there's <laughs> right, some issues. Right. I wonder if teams are talking themselves into this guy as an Earl Thomas type. Oh, and, if, and if you if you go back to Texas, Earl Thomas was not a center fielder at Texas. Earl Thomas was kind of a, a, a safety corner hybrid that Mike Mayock actually was talking about potentially being a cornerback in the NFL. Well, here's here comes along, you know, Demarius Randall. Mayock's already said Mayock may have him as the number one safety before it's all said and done. He, he already does. Okay, well there you go. And you know the guy. He, there's no question. He has tremendous cover skills, but his tackling is highly erratic. As you mentioned to me earlier, if you watch the USC game, or excuse me, the uh, uh, Oregon State Oregon State game, he's involved in at least what three forty yard plays. And right, well, he just he just whiffs on the running back, and we're not whiffs. talking about yeah, we're we're not talking about Todd Gurley here. Right. Yeah. Earl Campbell was not on the field. And, uh, you know, so he's I, – I, I think that was his true lowest moment. Yeah, but he has – he's not a consistently good run defender. There are some holes in his game. So, listen, if the Eagles take him at 20, I'd not be a happy camper. The, and maybe it's a fit because the Eagles want a guy who can cover at safety. They want a guy who can, who can drop down to the box and cover slot receivers and, and play center field. And, you know, run support isn't necessarily – a huge concern of theirs from from the. I mean, it's obviously they want safety to tackle and, and support the run, but I, I think they do a really good job on run support with their with their front seven, and maybe they just don't care all that much if if he's not all that great in run support. And you know what? And you're absolutely right. He is a great fit for the Eagles in the fact that he can cover in the slot, he can drop back and play <laughs> center field, and he can come into the box and, and like he's a he's a pretty solid blitzer. And usually I would say he's an average run defender or maybe a slight minus, but the Oregon State game was an anomaly. That was, he was just awful in that game. So, uh, yeah, Demarius Randall's a guy. Hey, listen, I don't want the Eagles to take him at 20. I don't mind if they take him. First, I'd love him in the third round. Second round, I'm not so keen, but we'll see what happens there. And uh, one other guy that I've got to mention have you heard much about Donovan Smith recently? Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um... My, my buddy uh, Josh Norris had him exactly. as the Eagles uh, number one pick in his latest mock draft. And I think the Philly fans would, would boo Donovan Smith worse than they booed Donovan McNabb <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if the Eagles took him 20th overall. But I can't a little bit there. Donovan Smith, actually, when you look at him from a, a, a height, weight, speed uh, perspective, he's actually very, very impressive. Let me just pull him up here real quick. He Wait, is 6'6". 338, 34-and-a-half-inch right. arms, 10-and-a-half-inch right. hands, and then his 40 time is 527, which, you know, it's, it's not Actually, it's, it's very good for a guy that size. And his vertical leap is 32 inches for a guy that's 338 pounds. It's ridiculous. I got to correct you, Jimmy. At his pro day, he got the 40 time down to 503. Oh, did he? Oh, my God. He did, yes. And oh. uh, so and the guy's a good student. He's uh, was somewhat of a leader at Penn State, you know. State of Penn State, even with the Sandusky stuff, right? So you know, there's something. There's a case to be made for him. Now, the funny thing is, he didn't have a great senior year. It seemed like he battled some injuries, and things just didn't click for him this year. The offensive line was a mess overall because they had they're playing a bunch of new guys. There was no continuity. It was kind of like watching Jason <laughs> Peters and the four strangers beside him. And so, uh, 
if you go back and watch 2013, you'll see a better version of him. Go. Have you had a chance to watch the Randy him blocking Randy Gregory? For I have not. No, I heard it was impressive tape, but I had not watched that yet. And then the guy went to the Senior Bowl and was lights out. It shocked me. I was like, "Who's this guy? I watched Penn State all year. This guy didn't play for <laughs> Penn State, right? You know, the offensive line was horrible. Here's this guy blocking all Americans, right? So, you know, when I saw Josh put him at twenty, I'm like, that's a, insane. Then I started thinking about like, yeah, you know what? It's not because again. Once you get past about pick 15, anything happens. And, I mean, Donovan Smith's a solid second-round pick. If you like the little things about him, the fact that he goes at pick 20 instead of pick 40, this year, to me, not a big deal. So that's a guy I think you know could be in the mix for a second-round selection. And, hey, who knows? Maybe he's in the mix for the first round. It, I guess it's possible. One more, uh, one more guy before we move to the third round. As, okay. long as, as long as we're hovering in the second round area, it's so long. What about any chance Cedric Abui slides yeah, that know, far with the ACL tear? You know, I've seen a lot of uh, the people with connections saying he goes in the twenties. Okay, well, and, that's a guy. That's a guy that pr- prior to the to the, the season beginning, that people had in like the top five overall. Right, and right. then he, he had a bad season before he got hurt, and then he got hurt. So right. you're looking at a guy that whose stock was kind of falling regardless, and then he tears his ACL, and I don't know when his his um, I don't I don't know when he's going to be ready to go, but he's obviously coming off a, a major injury, so that's going to hurt him even worse. And that's a guy who, you know, again played multiple positions at, at Texas A and M, and they've been they've been a tackle factory there for for the last few years with Jake Matthews and uh, uh, blah, 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 uh, shit, who's the other guy? Damn, how can I not? How can I? Uh, you went to the Jaguars. How can I not think of his name? Luke Jokel. Luke Jokel. There we go. So I mean, they've been churning out, and neither of those guys have, have really panned out so far. But uh, uh, you know, they, they they have produced a lot of offensive tackle, and Agbu is the next one in line. So, so I mean, again, that's a guy that can play multiple positions for, for the Eagles, depending on depending on where you like him. But again, you're you're dealing with an injury risk there. Here's the thing: two years ago, he was the right. Uh, see, yeah, two years ago, he was the right guard. And then Jokel left, so right. that meant Matthews moved to left tackle, so he moved to right tackle. Then this year, Matthews left, so they moved to the left tackle. So three years, three positions. No right. continuity whatsoever. Right, right. When you watch him at left tackle, he did not look good. He just did not. And it's not a lack of talent. He just had not developed at that position. Go back and watch him from 2012, 2013. You see a different player, great motor, blocks all over the field, really good natural athlete. Looks like he can easily run a sub five forty when you watch him. He's still a little spastic. He definitely, you know, there are times that you're watching the block and you're just like, dude, freaking chill out a little bit. Uh, he needs some coaching. There's no question, but he's coming off an ACL tear and he could have been a top ten pick. Does that not sound a little like Chip Kelly's kind of guy? Right. You know. So right. hey, listen, man. Yeah. He, to me, he's he's in the he's up in the mix at pick twenty. If not pick, what is, it is pick fifty two in the second round, right? Fifty two, yes. Okay, so to me, if he's on a board of fifty two, he may be a slam dunk. Uh, but to me, he's in the mix at pick twenty. I, I, I hesitated to talk about him earlier because he just—I didn't. I wasn't sure we were going with time, but uh, yes, you know, Cedric is definitely an interesting guy. All right, round three, lead us off. All right, now and we're gonna. Get a lot shorter here since we've gone yes. through a lot of guys. So. <laughs> right, and we're, already like, pa- we're already nearing the uh, hour mark, which is okay because this is exactly. a draft special. So go ahead. 
All right. Well, you know, uh, I'll talk about a guy I like to start with, and that's a wide receiver I mentioned earlier, Chris Conley, yeah, the kid, I, the kid from Georgia. And here's the thing: a lot of times you watch guys at the combine and run like a four three something, and you're like, "Wow!" When I watched that guy during the season, I didn't. It, it something didn't click with me. I watched plenty of Georgia games. Something didn't click, so I said, "You know what? He's got to be a workout warrior." Went back and rewatched him. I was like, "Oh." Boy, was I freaking blind or stupid or just whatever. The tape, the speed does show up on tape, and you do watch him run by. I put a, a, a highlight the other day of him against Louisville where a cornerback played off, and he just, by the time he got to the cornerback, the cornerback started to turn his hips. He was 10 yards past the guy and caught a 45, 47-yard touchdown with not even thinking about it. So this guy's speed uh, – is something the Eagles would love. He's 6'2", 213, I think. He's a solid blocker, good guy, you know, will play on special teams. Would be a tremendous third-round pick if he lasts that long. Yeah, and his production wasn't great at Georgia, and the main reason for that is because they have Todd Gurley. And uh, what the hell is the other guy's name, the running back there? The underclassman. Uh, You know, if he's an underclassman, I'm not paying attention. (laughs) Okay. Let's just call call him... (laughs) <laughs> let's, let's just call him uh, Steve next year. It's going to bother me that I can't think of his name. But anyway, they had a really dominant run game. So you know, the, the run-pass ratio was something close to like 70%. So, I mean, they just weren't throwing the ball that much. And as a result, his production, you know, suffered. Um, but, uh, you know, like like you said, he, you know, has the height, weight, speed thing and and certainly is, would be a nice fit for the Eagles and uh, – and I think the third round would be the appropriate place to get him. Now, another receiver, it's kind of the opposite of him in that he doesn't really have the height, weight, speed thing going for him, but they can move him around, and his production was off the charts in his college career as Rashad Green from Florida State. Now, I don't know if he makes it to the third round, but that's a guy that kind of is for for a guy that, like, broke almost every major record of Florida State, who's really churned out a lot of wide, you know good wide receivers over the years, it's kind of under the radar, you know, and and he's a guy that, like I said, has good hands, has sort of he didn't run a really good forty time at the combine, but you, you see him running away from guys uh, in, in games, and was just clearly Jameis Winston's favorite target, and then some for Florida State this year, and and you know even even the year before, and just a really good player. I thought of as a good character guy. And a guy that I think would be a nice fit in sort of a weird way for the Eagles and that he's a very willing uh, blocker and also has some value in special teams as a returner as well. No, thank you. No, now thank you. Now you like Rashad Green? You it's, Why it's, not? It, it's funny to me. When I started making my list of players the Eagles would be interested, I just knew Rashad Green wouldn't be anywhere near Chip Kelly's radar. Really? The guy, you know, I think in his pro day he was under 177. Oh, yeah, he's light. Not, he's, he's the, combine is, he's, the combine is 182 pounds. He runs a 4.5. <laughs> right. I want to say he had at least one significant concussion this year. Uh, the guy is a terrific route runner, knows how to get open. Chip Kelly's offense is not about route running. Chip Kelly's offense is about equipment. Get, you know, the, the a lot of the routes you're open by design. And, I mean, we saw that with Jason Avant. Jason Avant's a great route runner, and he – was kind of lost in Chip Kelly's offense. Yeah, but you know what? I think he's quicker on the field than he is, you know, from his measurables from the combine. 
I, I'm not going to deny that. And I'm not saying the kid's a bad player, but I'm just talking about for the Eagles. I just don't see it. You know, well, they, I, they I brought, really don't. They brought him in for a visit, too. Hey, I know, man. I know. <laughs> I, and, and I, I'm, yeah, hey, listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm just telling you. I just, what, what, if you're asking me, do I want him on the Eagles? I really, I, I just, he's not a guy I want. To me, I want a guy that's going to either have some explosive ability or want a guy who's going to have some physical ability. And at 180 pounds running a 4.5, <laughs> right. he doesn't have the explosion and he doesn't have the physicality. If this was a different system, if this if we were the San Diego Chargers, I might want to covet that guy in the second round. If we were a team that ran real precise pass routes, the guy is a tremendous route runner, very disciplined. He's tough. He'll work the middle of the field. I think Bill's a compelling case for him, just not for the Eagles. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I'm saying uh, I wonder if he'll, he'll even make it there. But I, I, I really do like him a lot. I, I think he actually fit in pretty well. I think, like I said, I think he times. I think his his, his play speed is actually a lot better than than what you see on paper. Well, that's fine. And and I uh, just to me, I don't know. I, I just don't see that guy as a vertical threat. And I don't see that guy as a. Uh, where does he play? Well, no, I mean, he's he's not that. Well, I think you move him around, but I think he probably be. I think he, more than more than anything, he'd be a slot guy. All right. Well, I. Hey, listen, you got Miles Austin, the best slot guy in the business. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think that's why I like him so much. That's your Miles Austin replacement. How dare you, sir? <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's move on. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about defensive linemen, so I'll throw a guy out there, Henry Anderson okay. from Stanford. From Stanford. Like yep. I, be- I believe Jerry Asenero was at his pro day. Okay. A uh, guy goes about, what, 6'6", 6'5", 291. Uh, if you put on a Stanford game, he's a defensive end, defensive tackle, nose tackle, right, left, moving all around, highly productive at, I think, eight and a half sacks this year, uh, Is can two-gap, can get up the field, be disruptive, looked really good at the senior bowl. Looked I don't really know. really good at the senior bowl. There, at times, at times, I mean, there were times where he disappeared, too, but there were times where he just, they couldn't block him at, at, at certain points during, during those uh, pass rush drills. I really liked what I saw from him at times. And you know the Eagles. Let's we, we don't know uh, Brand. Excuse me, uh, uh, Vinny Curry's future. So yeah, there could be a need for another defensive end to add to the mix. And if Anderson's on the board of third round, he might be gone before then. But uh, that could be somebody the team takes a look at. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I'm gonna throw out. A, okay, so you mentioned a position that isn't really a, a huge need now. I, I'll, I'll mention one too. How about old Clive Walford from the Senior Bowl? Okay, the, the Florida tight end. It was awesome at the Senior Bowl. Was, I, I, I really knew almost nothing about him at the Senior Bowl. That's a guy that just completely stood out on, on his performance. Like I wasn't looking for him. Obviously, the Eagles at that time were loaded with tight ends with Selleck and, and Ertz and Casey was still on the team at the time. And, right. and, of course, and, of course, Trey Burton. But, and again, I, I can't really see them taking a tight end this early in the third round, but it's just a guy that was just continually getting open and not only making catches, but staying on his feet after making the catch and turning up field and getting yak. So that's a guy that uh, I think would be a nice fit in the Eagles system, although you'd really, really have to like him to take him that early. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, you, I think he could be in the mix even for a second-round pick with the right Really? Team. Okay. Here's the thing. I'll tell you, I don't think the Eagles are going to have any interest in a tight end who's not – 250, 255, 260 pounds. Right, a blocker to take over for the Selleck role. They're, they're looking at a lot of guys. They're looking at people from huge schools to tiny schools and are almost all 255, 260 pounds. Exactly. Right. They're looking right. for Brent right. Selleck Jr. So right. 
I, I don't see Walford. I mean, yeah, if, if they didn't have something else, but we'll see. They they are checking out a lot of tight ends, so you could be uh, you could be on the money there. Uh, a guy that I'm not the biggest fan in the world of. We'll go back to Penn State, Adrian Amos. Yep. And now the question is, hey, listen, is he on the board in the third round? I mean, to me, I think he's a fourth round type guy. I yeah. don't want to put him in the third round, but uh, the guy's got terrific size, terrific speed, and you know he's 218 pounds and runs like four four. He's six foot. He's got pretty good arm size. Yeah, you know, there's a compelling case for this guy. All I know is I watched Penn State for four years. I saw every snap of every game he played, <laughs> right. and I never once thought this guy was anything special. I never right. thought he was a bad player. Don't get me wrong. Solid starter, and he had his moments, but I never said to myself, this guy is a top 75 player. He's going to start in the NFL and be really good. I never saw that. So Yeah, safety's the new quarterback. If you really if you really need one, you got to get him around or two early. Now, here's something I'll tell you. If the Eagles took him as a big corner, I'd like that better than if they drafted him as a safety. Okay. I, I think the guy's got really good cover skills. I like him. What I don't like is a – I just don't see him playing with a sense of urgency. I wrote about this in a recent article. If you watch the uh, – I want to say it was the Boston College game. There's a play where their running back starts going down the sideline, and Amos takes a good angle to chase him down. And Amos is running for this running back. And a running back, by the way, is bigger than he is. He's like a 230-pound guy thick guy he's running Amos is taking an angle to catch him and his cornerback comes from behind Amos passes Amos and tackles the running back <laughs> right and uh, is that quarterback running 4-2 I don't think so <laughs> Amos is a 4-3 right. guy he's a 4-3-5 right. 4-3 whatever uh, but to me he was a guy that was taking the angle being safe don't let the guy cut back be smart be smart and this other guy's just going damn dude let's go tackle this son of a <laughs> This is a bowl game. We're trying to tackle him. And so I didn't see him play with a sense of urgency. And it drives me crazy when defensive backs that are supposed to be primary run defenders, like a safety is go all out, do what it takes to get that guy out of bounds, man. And, and the fact, I don't know, that just kind of bugged me. And that's not an anomaly. There was quite a few plays. You'll see some plays where the guy's lights out, hit hits you. He's physical. Other time, it's just like he's – it's not that he's shy of contact, nothing like that. It's he's, he's being cautious, like, let me see it, let me figure it out, and then I'll go attack it. Well, at that point, the play's already over, you know. So he's just – he's not my cup of tea. But the guy does have tremendous cover skills, and there's certainly an argument to be made he'd be a terrific fit in the Eagles scheme. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the second time you mentioned that from a safety, the other one being the Marius Randall, and that you'd almost rather – if, if they drafted him, you, you wouldn't mind them playing corner. And actually, it kind of goes the other way, too, with a bunch of cornerbacks in this draft that right. have experience playing safety with, you know, Byron Jones and, and Eric Rowe, two guys that we already mentioned. And I think that versatility that exists in this draft actually plays really nicely into the Eagles' hands. It does. I'm, I'm really curious to see how this plays out and which guys they end up taking and, and, and where they play. We're still trying to figure out what Jalen Watkins is going to do. It sounds like he's going to play safety. Right. But after this draft, who knows, man? They may have him playing yeah. corner or slot or wide receiver or nose tackle. I don't know. Right. Versatility is a double-edged sword. You like guys who can play do multiple things, but at some point, put them somewhere and let them develop. Yeah. All right, one more guy for me from the third round. And, again, this is, this is just a, a position that really doesn't make much sense in the third round. But if he's there, I really like him. That's TJ Yeldon running back from – from Alabama, and obviously they just signed DeMarco Murray, and they signed Ryan Matthews, and they have Darren Sproles. They just 
let Chris Polk go, of course. So they have three guys on the roster that are definitely going to be on the team when when the 2000 season, uh, 2015 season, you know, opens up. So there would be room for him on the roster, certainly. Obviously, if you're going to take him in the third round, he's going to be on the roster. And it's a it's a player that again that I just really like it in terms of a value play in that third round if he's still sitting there. But how much is he going to play? <laughs> you know, until right. something something either happens to Ryan Matthews or. Or, you know, obviously DeMarco Murray isn't going anywhere anytime soon unless he gets hurt. Uh, so, I mean, what kind of role could he possibly play? But, again, I think he'd just be a really nice fit in the Eagles um, in the Eagles run scheme. And, you know, had they not, you know, signed two guys, if they only signed one guy to replace the Sean McCoy, it'd make a lot more sense. But, again, I just really like the fit. Yeah, and, and I, you know, listen, there, there's value there if the guy is, is on the board and they're willing to, to take him. But, we're going to find out how Chip Kelly feels about these things. Yep. Is he willing to stockpile up positions or is he sit there and say, no way, I've got other needs. So to me, I wouldn't take a running back in the first four rounds unless it was phenomenal talent, just way too great a value to pass up. But uh, I, I just, you know, it, I don't know. I, it would take something freaky, freaky for me to take a running back in the first four rounds this year. Yep, I'm with you. And especially because, you know, the, the positions of, of strength in this draft also happen to be the Eagles' weakest position. So there's a good chance that anytime the Eagles are on the board throughout exactly. the entire draft, there's going to be a guy that fits their need that they that they like. Okay, let's jump on to the fourth round now and uh, going to pair this down. I, I'm going to go ahead and cheat, and I'm going to talk about a position. Okay. I'm going to talk about inside linebackers, and I'm going to mention three guys. Okay. There, there's Rameek Wilson from Georgia. I, I have a guy in the fifth round. If you don't name him, I'm going to, I'm going to pile on top before you go into your analysis. Okay, there's Ben Heaney from Kansas, okay. and there's Jake Ryan from Michigan. Okay, all of those guys are interesting players. Rameek Wilson is a as a terrific athlete, six three, two forty five. Put on a Georgia game, <laughs> you could see his athletic ability on a play by play basis. He would be somebody that the Eagles would really like, I think. But I don't think they've shown any interest in Rameek. Heaney is a guy that is uh, a little bit undersized, six foot, I think two thirty one kind of short arms, but you put on a game and the guy's got tremendous speed and great range. He makes plays from sideline to sideline, great motor, a ton of fun to watch. But again, he's only 231 pounds. And then the other guy, Jake Ryan, Jake, his first couple of years at Michigan was an outside linebacker, moved to the inside and played inside in a sort of a 3-4 or 4-3 hybrid type thing. Uh, that's a guy that you know, goes about 6'3", 240, I think. And he would be an interesting player because of his versatility. He can play inside or outside. He's not great at either. He's not a great athlete. He's just a productive player, good athlete, high-character guy. Could see the Eagles really liking him. Those guys could be fourth-round players. They could be fifth-round players. Wouldn't shock me to see them go late third, but I think they're more in that fourth, fifth range. And the question I have, I know the Eagles want to add an inside linebacker. What do they want? The 231-pound guy who can run all over the place, the 245-pound guy who's got pretty good speed and agility or the guy who's 240 and has played inside outside really experienced really versatile what do they want and i have no idea yeah the guy that i have there and i have him again like i said in the fifth round is taiwan jones from uh michigan state big guy 6'3 245 uh similar dimensions to kiko alonso not the same player as kiko alonso actually reminds me a lot more of Demico ryan's in that Tyron Jones, probably not, you know, a three down linebacker. He ran a gross 40 time at the combine, four nine five, and you know, isn't gonna you know, you don't want him covering 
you don't you don't want him covering Jason Witten. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want him, you don't want him covering Jimmy Graham. You don't want him covering running guys coming out of the backfield. But he's good as a run stuffer and was a leader on a really good Michigan State defense. So I think he can kind of um, understudy under under D'Amico Ryan's for a few years. Eventually take over for him. Be a two down linebacker where you have you know another athletic linebacker next to him to, to sort of protect him in terms of coverage and 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 actually uh, Tyron Jones the one thing I will say for him it's you know it's while well, he's not good in coverage he is a good blitzer you, you watch him kind of blitz in that a gap and he just pushes the center back into the pocket so I like him in that regard too but he's a guy like I said just really kind of a, a two down uh, inside linebacker that again can take over for D'Amico Ryan's but and can be effective in your defense as long as you don't ask him to do too much interesting player for the first three years he played what they call the star linebacker position which is a uh, where you get out in space you're doing multiple things and he was about 240 pounds this year they moved him to the middle linebacker position because max bulla graduated he bulked up he played at almost 260 pounds during a season if you go watch a tape from 2013 look at his ankles or his thigh or his uh his calves rather and compare him to this year he added a ton of weight this year he got back down to 245 for the combine, ran a 495, dropped down to about 240, 241 at his pro day, ran a 485. So he got faster at his pro day. But he's a guy that it's funny, if you watch him in the past, he could play in space. This year he was a between the tackles guy. I, I completely agree with you. I would definitely have interest in him in the fifth round because he is a thumper. He is a two down player. But I think if you can get him in top shape, which he's heading in that direction, he bulked up for the season. He's getting back down into better shape. I think, you know, playing for Chip Kelly, you get in top shape. I think you'd have a guy who could – I don't know if he's going to start in the NFL, but he could be an interesting role player. I'm going to name another guy in the fourth round. I know you don't like him. And <laughs> that's the uh, safety from Fresno State, uh, Duran Smith, who really put up just incredible numbers in 2013 as a playmaker, had a bunch of interceptions. Um, if I recall correctly, he had a bunch of tackles for losses. It's kind of a guy that's all over the field. Small. He's five, in terms of height, anyway. He's, he's got some thickness to him. He's 5'10. I think he's up over uh, 200 pounds. But, um, you know, was a playmaker for a couple years at Fresno State. His production numbers fell off in 2014. But I think he's kind of that ball hawking type of uh, safety that, um, you know, the, the Eagles could, could, could certainly use. They haven't really gotten a lot of production in terms of. Uh, playmakers from uh, although Malcolm Jenkins made some made some nice plays early in the season last year and uh, that's a guy that that could you know potentially do what the Eagles like to do where they drop safeties down and into the slot and, and cover slot receivers uh, but you know that that's a guy that if I recall correctly anyway that's a guy that you don't like right uh, well no I, I just didn't think he was a great fit for what the Eagles do when I watched him play he's kind of a guy that I thought was going to be good for cover two or just play it off the ball I didn't see him as initially a guy that was going to come down into the box or do do well in man coverage necessarily. No, okay. I you know I don't know. I didn't watch a ton of him, so um, I'm not like he, he's the guy that I just had. I probably need to watch another game or two before I make any final thoughts. Which you know, getting gear right. Uh, so he's a guy I just has never jumped out at me as an Eagles target. I'll, I'll match you with a fourth round safety, Ibrahim Campbell, the kid from okay. Northwestern. Yep. 5'11", 208, good hitter, good tackler. I played a lot of cover, too. Got some reps as a free safety. Got some reps down in the slot, played over nickel receivers. Uh, so, you know, th- this is a guy that I think had uh, 11 career interceptions, has good hands, four-year starter, tons of experience. 
interesting guy, and he's a Philly native, so you, you always got to draft the native, right? Um, and he just would be an interesting player in the fourth round. He might think of it maybe as a better version of, of Earl Wolf, but he's that type of a player, I guess, would be a good comparison. Okay. Yeah, and I have an offensive lineman there in the fourth round, and you mentioned uh, you know Jake Fisher is a guy that, that kind of had some John Runyon in him. Uh, here's another guy that I think has a little bit of John Runyon in him as well, but maybe not nearly as athletic as Jake Fisher. That's Tyson Brello. And of oh I mean I'm forgetting Colorado State and when I watched him I you know he was a guy that just kind of finished <laughs> like he would right. he kind of had some nastiness to him and again oh, yeah. like he doesn't have the same kind of athleticism as as a guy like Fisher but if he's sitting there in the fourth round I think he was a little bit highly more highly regarded uh, a little bit earlier in the process and for whatever reason it seems like he's you know not rated as highly anymore but that's a guy that I had no problem taking in the fourth round. Oh yeah, I think he's probably more of a third round prospect. But if he if he's there in the fourth round, absolutely he could be of interest because that's a guy who he played left tackle for Colorado State. He's more of a guard or right tackle, but yeah, yeah. He, he's a fun player to watch for sure. Uh, that's all I got for the fourth round. You know, try. Me too. I got a few names, but we're trying to speed things up a little bit here. Yep. Let's let's jump down to the fifth round and um, I'm going to talk about a guy, one of my favorite players in the draft. I haven't written about him yet. Is a kid named Mark Glowinski from West Virginia. Okay. Right, right guard, number 64, six foot four, 307 pounds. And uh, you watch him play, and to me, he might be the most eagle of all draft prospects the entire draft. And that includes Marcus Mariota. Okay. I, I told you if, if Evan Mathis and Todd Harriman's and Jason Kelsey had a love child, it would be Mark Glowinski. <laughs> you, you watch the way he plays. And he just looks like an eagle. They have him pull. They have him block on a move. Gets to the second level. Mashes on guys. If you're bigger than him, he's going to use technique and fight you. If you're smaller than him, he's going to go be a bully and beat up on you. The whistle blows. You're not paying attention. You might get an elbow to sort of knock you off your feet. He's going to push you from behind when he can. Just try to, to, to you know to get you fired up. He's going to do all these little things. And fun player to watch. And I think you'll be a great fit in the Eagles' offense. I'm looking at him as a fifth rounder. I don't know. Maybe you see him as a sixth, seventh. Hey, man, maybe somebody falls in love with this guy. He goes in the fourth round. He's an athletic guy who plays right guard, has good uh, a good skill set, and the Eagles ain't a right guard. So, hey, what the heck? Let's, let's go get him. He even has a good name, and I haven't watched the lick of Glowinski. In fact, Glowinski is a guy that people have asked me about, like on Twitter and on my chats at, at Philly Voice, and I just have to say, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched them at all. But he's not only does he have a good name in terms of like, yeah, get him, Glowinski. He also has a good name when you get pissed off. Like, he lets up a sack. Like, come on, Glowinski, son of a bitch. <laughs> Glorious. Absolutely. And, you know, I can't wait for him to give up a sack so I can yell that. Glowinski, you son of a you, – you suck, Glowinski. Come on, Glowinski. <laughs> All right, I, have, I only have two guys left in the fifth round. I already uh, – I already threw out my Taiwan Jones there. And I, yeah, actually, this is a guy that, for whatever reason, you go on, like, CBS, their rankings, they have, like, a, they have like 300-something. I mean, this makes no sense to me. Actually, there's two guys like that that, that like, they have in, like, the 300s. First one is Ladarius Gunter, the cornerback, or, or, you know, maybe he plays safety in the NFL from Miami. That's that's a guy that was just beating people up at the line of scrimmage at the senior ball. There's some wide receivers that just couldn't even get off the line against them. And that's a physical kind of corner that, that 
I would think that Billy Davis would love in that he's going to get in receivers' faces. He's good at he's good at jamming them up, and kind of fits that same mold as like a Carrie Williams, in, in or at least what, what the perception of Carrie Williams is anyway. But this is a this is kind of like a tough, nasty corner that that that'll kind of do some dirty work in there. And that's a guy that I like. I don't understand why he's he's rated so so low. But if he's there in the fifth, sixth round, by all means, go get him. Well, I can tell you why. It's about forty time, and he ran an awful. 40. Oh, did he? I had I didn't know that. I didn't, yeah, let me. Okay, go ahead. I'm not sure if he's actually finished or if he's just getting <laughs> near the line right now. There it is. It's four six nine. Okay, so that yeah, makes- yeah. That's uh, which. Let's just put it this way: uh, Fletcher Cox ran a four seven nine. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, even safety that's slow as shit. <laughs> no, it's and safety. That's adequate. That's and so, but but that's the, the it's, he shouldn't be ranked in the three hundreds. Again, re rank that guy as a safety. But I got to study him as a safety prospect to see if he has any instincts. Now I'll tell you this: uh, he might he might be a guy that is forced to go to Canada and play for a couple of years, develop and then come back to the NFL because the uh, a Browner Brandon Browner, yeah, it's like six four, two hundred and ten pounds, Oregon State. The, he runs like a 4-7 at the combine. Everybody says, ain't happening, baby. Get the hell out of here. He goes to Canada, learns how to really be physical, really play, comes back to the NFL, and he's been in the league for, what, five years now. He's yeah. played for the Patriots, the Seahawks, and you know he's going to grab you. He's going to hold you. He's going to get penalties. But if you're a big receiver, he's going to be able to, to run with you and play you. So there is a spot for bigger corners who don't run well, but it's not easy and most of them fail. So it can't happen. But that 40 time, oh my goodness. I it, literally, children fainted when they saw that 40 time. It was bad. <laughs> the other guy that I have there is, and I don't know how you pronounce his, his first name. I don't know if it's Drez or Dre or whatever, but uh, the, the wide receiver from, from Utah, I'll call him Drez, right. Drez Anderson. And you look at the number of 40 plus yard catches that he had in 2013, um, it's very impressive. He got hurt in 2014 and had to miss the senior bowl as a result. He missed a big chunk of the season in 2014. Throw that out. Just look at what he did in 2013. He'll be back and healthy for the 2015 season. But he's a guy that can stretch the defense, can kind of get over the top. It's something that the Eagles don't really have right now. I mean, you have you have a guy in, in Rodney Cooper who's certainly not going to stretch the defense. You have a guy in Jordan Matthews who's good at working underneath and and you know can get vertical, but it certainly isn't going to stretch the defense the way that, that that Deshaun Jackson did. And Josh Hoff is a guy that you know can make plays after he has the ball in his hands, but again, it's not really that vertical threat. I think uh, Dres Anderson can be that kind of guy that, that that that. And again, they don't they they may not necessarily need volume catchers because they have guys in in Jordan Matthews and and Zach Ertz who can sort of fill that role in the absence of Jeremy Macklin. But they really just don't have a guy that can take the top off, and that's a guy that they can maybe get in the later rounds who can do that. I'm going to throw a pair of names at you, and I'm going to go with a, a pair of tight ends. And it's uh, Nick Boyle from yeah. Delaware okay. and Blake Bell from Oklahoma. And okay. Oh, Blake Bell, former quarterback, right? Exactly. He was. If, if you're an Oklahoma fan, they used to line him up <laughs> in, the, in his short yards, and they called him the belldozer. Get it? It's a joke on that word, bulldozer. <laughs> That's so clever, my That's goodness. Those Oklahoma guys. That's, and so, in, in essence, he was Oklahoma's version of Tim Tebow. Who is now a Philadelphia Eagle? So there's some synergy right. there. There we go. Uh, so Blake Bell, an interesting guy, had never really fully developed a tight end, but uh, the Eagles have shown some interest in him. I believe they went and had uh, met with him, or had dinner with him uh, before his pro day. He's a guy that has, as a physical player, has some size. 
is a versatile guy that could possibly play running back, has quarterback experience. And, yeah, and listen, fifth round, maybe early. This guy may go sixth or seventh, maybe fifth. I don't know. Boyle is a guy, terrible 40 time at the combine, ran five seconds. The one thing I'll say with Boyle, I get the feeling if he was naked running, he would run five seconds. Or if he was fully padded and you hand him a bag of groceries, you're going to run a five-second 40 that way as well. You and I saw him at the at the Senior Bowl, and the guy actually had some athletic moments down there. Sure, and, and the and, game in the game he and, caught a pass and he turns around, he's got a defender right in his face immediately. He hurdles him. Ex- he surprised you. You're like, this guy's not an athlete, but he's doing right. athletic things. Right, and they where did that come from? Exactly. So in the game, it seems to bring out the best in him versus sitting in a freaking empty stadium in Indianapolis running 40 yards. It's not going to bring the best at him. And we know Chip Kelly saw a couple few uh, Delaware games. This guy's a blocker. He enjoys blocking. Put on a Delaware game. They threw, like, what, three passes a game, so he was going to block the other 70 plays. You know, so th- this is a guy that would be an interesting fit to develop behind Selleck. Fifth round, I don't know, maybe early. I don't know. That 40 time, I don't like it. But once you get into these late rounds, sometimes it's about is there something real compelling a guy does or a compelling reason to like him. And with Bell, it's versatility. With Boyle, it's blocking. And you just don't find a lot of good blocking tight ends. All right, let's move on to this. Or are you done with the fifth round? Yes, sir. We'll move on to the sixth, and I'll, I'll start with uh, you know another guy that for whatever reason CBS has rated just insanely low. That's Antoine Goodley, the uh, uh, wide receiver from Baylor. Is there right. a reason that that he's rated so low? You know, <laughs> I was reading on Twitter one day, and I follow a variety of, of draft guys on Twitter, and it's always interesting to see your thoughts. And the guy said, other than hands and speed, what does he do for you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I was like, well, you know, when you put it like that, that's a great point. <laughs> right. What the hell? I mean, how many things are there to do on wide receiver? He's bad at chess. He doesn't understand how the human kidney functions. I, you know, I, I'm with you, dude. I, Goodley, he's got an awkward build. He's not a proven route runner. He played in that Baylor offense. But again, the uh, the lack of route running, the same reason I don't think Rashad Green's a great fit. I think Antoine Goodley's fine. I, you know, he reminds me a lot of Josh Hoff. Absolutely. Abs- I can totally see that. And the guy, I think, ran a four 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 at the combine, something like that. Yeah. He, he's 205 pounds, you know, so he's got he's got some thickness to him. Yep. I'd be fine with Goodley in a six round. I, in fact, I'd probably like that pick. So excellent I'm right yak, there with you. Ex- excellent yak skills. There's a play against, I think, Kansas State where he catches yes. a slant. He, yes. s- he splits a defender and he just he just shoves at the palm he, of his hand right in the Kansas State's face. It's get off me and he runs for a touchdown. One he, of my favorite highlights of, of really any college player. And, and it, well, it's almost like it gave him momentum to get down the field. Right. right. He, he kind of used the guy's face to, to get more speed. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, that was a. I, I know the player talking about fantastic, loved it just like you did. Uh, let's talk about um, Travis Rossini, uh, defensive end from San Jose State. Here's a guy that has a nice frame. The Eagles have checked him out. They brought him to Philadelphia. They had somebody at his pro day looking at San Jose. Uh, you know, like goes in a 6'5", 290 range. Yep. You know, he's he's played defensive tackle, defensive end, 3'4", three, 4'3". Four, four, three. He's mainly been productive attacking up the field, so I found it curious that they wanted to look at him as a Three four in, but the guy is a pretty good athlete for his size. And again, the Eagles, you know, they've got a good set of of defensive ends. 
but you're always looking for depth, especially late in the draft. And Rossini is an athletic guy. He's been a productive guy. He's played in multiple schemes, and he's had good uh, quality coaching. So he'd be a nice pick in the sixth round. Yeah, are you sure he's a defensive end? Do they maybe move him out in that predator position? Like they looked at Will Clark last year from from West Virginia in that spot, and they looked at uh, Mike Neal from the Packers as a as a free agent. Maybe he's one of the. Maybe they slim him down a little bit and they put him on the edge. Oh, could they look at him as an outside linebacker? Some teams have talked about possibly moving him to outside linebacker. Uh, you would again have to have him drop down to you know two hundred and seventy or so pounds, so we need to leave, lose fifteen to twenty pounds. And it is possible. They could always try that, sure. They could basically get him down to Preston Smith size and then figure out what to do with him. Yeah. So, yeah, no, and, and hey, listen, if things don't work out, add, him, add 20 pounds, play him a defense fitter, try him out at right tackle. The guy's a, an athletic guy. He's an aggressive guy. He's a physical guy. And with that frame, you can do any number of things with him, depending upon what your staff, where they think he's best, and they can start adjusting his body. All right, we'll stay on the edge. And also another guy who can maybe play a couple different positions. That's Obum Guachum from yes. Oregon State. Who's a yes. former, former, what was he, wide receiver or tight end? Wide receiver. Who's the tight end that I'm thinking? Oh, that's, uh, was that Lyndon Trail from the yes. uh, senior role? Okay. So Guachum was, Guachum was a former wide receiver for Oregon State. You know, wasn't going to get a lot. I mean, Oregon State had, had a number of really good receivers during his tenure there. First and foremost, Brandon Cooks. Wound up moving over to, to outside linebacker. Actually put up okay numbers, but he's a guy that sort of fits that, you know, that Chip Kelly long, lengthy type of player where he's, what, 6'5", uh, 240, 240-something, I think. It, right. not, not to bulk him up to, for, from the play on the edge of the 3-4, but, you know, certainly has all kinds of athletic ability if he was formerly a wide receiver. And, you know, that's the guy that, that you, he's not going to – He's not going to produce for you right away, but when you have Connor Barwin and Brandon Graham as your starters already in place, you know maybe you give him a year, maybe you you, you come up with a, with a fake toe injury and you, and you and you redshirt him for a year, and you kind of get him up to speed, and he can produce for you down the road. But I think that's a project that that's worth taking a look into in the later rounds. Absolutely, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump on to the seventh round here, and I'm uh, going to talk about a guy, another Senior Bowl guy, Brian Bennett, the quarterback from. Southeastern Louisiana, or yep. Southeastern Louisiana State, as some people call it. Uh, that is what you called it, right? Southeastern Louisiana State? Yep. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Robert Alford. Very, very, very quick story. A couple of years ago at the Senior Bowl, I was all over Robert Alford. I, I thought he was great. He actually wound up going to the second round to who the Falcons, was it? Right. And is Southeast Louisiana player. I kept, for whatever reason, I kept tweeting Southeast Louisiana State. And uh, their, I don't remember if it was their head coach or someone at that school retweeted me. It was a head coach. I think it was the head coach. And then, you know, obviously a lot of Southeast Louisiana people follow the head coach if he's going to be on Twitter. (laughs) And I had... I had a million people. It's not Southeast Louisiana State. It's Southeast Louisiana. My entire timeline was full of, you're an idiot. You don't even know the name of the school. Well, you are an idiot. But anyway, let's, let's move on. Uh, Brian Bennett, um, obviously Chip Kelly recruited him to Oregon. He played there for two years, and then he went down and, and spent two years in southeast Louisiana. And uh, a good athlete who really did a lot of running down there as a passer, only completed 49% of his passes as a senior. I watched one of his games. There were a few drops. Overall, I thought he's a fairly accurate passer. 
So I'm ten, I tend to guess that's about circumstances rather than him, but I don't know that for a fact. I've not had the ability to watch a bunch of his games from this past year. I did uh, watch some of him in Oregon, and you can see the guy's potential. <clears throat> to me, if you get to the seventh round and, and you know, if you got a chance to take a flyer on this guy, I'd rather take a flyer on him than Cody Fajardo. i got to be honest with you. Fajardo has all the experience in the world from Nevada, and as an athletic guy who knows how to play the spread, but I just, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather take a chance on Bennett, who I think has more upside and to me is a, a more interesting player. Fajardo, I just see the limitations. They just jump out at me. And with Bennett, there's a lot of unknown. He might yeah. fail. He might be an utter failure in NFL. But he was impressive that first day at the Senior Bowl and solid arm, pretty good athlete, and just a guy that I, 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 in the seventh round, I'm willing to take a chance. Yeah, and there were actually um, there was some report out there that I think the Eagles were looking at him and possibly getting safety. Now, Eagles scouts were telling other teams on the road that they were comparing or uh, thinking of him as a safety. Got it. And, 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 and you're like, wait, a minute, you know, are they? Is that genuinely what they're saying, or is that something they're telling people? So, hey, listen, we don't like him as a quarterback to try to throw him off the trail. You know what I'm saying? What does that mean? Is there a meaning there, or is that just the truth? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of got the vibe. We, we've discussed this before. I got, I kind of got the the vibe that you know, Chip Kelly had no interest in him. And this, you know, as the the story with with Brian Bennett goes, you know, he lost uh, the the quarterback battle to Marcus Mariota, and he wanted to play football. He didn't want to he didn't want to ride the bench as as a backup quarterback. He wanted to play, so he transferred to Southeast Louisiana State, and of course, Mariota Mariota went on to do what he did, and and he played. And I, I always kind of got the the just listening to to Bennett. Uh, answer questions and in interviews. I kind of got the vibe that, you know, that he and Chip Kelly weren't, you know, like uh, simpatico. And, you know, the Penn State players that had visited the Eagles, uh, Donovan Smith and, and Adrian Amos, I believe they both had noted that the Eagles both brought up that they stayed, you know, amid the uh, Sandusky stuff and kind of had that as a, as a check mark in their favor. So I wonder if that kind of works against Brian Bennett the other way that he left, um, you know, when he lost, when he lost the quarterback battle. Here's the other thing I'll tell you, Brian Bennett at his or, uh, pro day or the combine even ran four, eight. Yeah. So you're going to take a quarterback that runs four, eight and convert him to safety where four, eight <laughs> would be a bad time. I don't I just doesn't pass the smell test for me. To me, okay. they're, e- they're either trying to throw something weird out there just to get people confused, or they do like him as a quarterback and they're trying to confuse people. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. How about, how about those two uh, Georgia Tech wide receivers, DeAndre Smelter and uh, and Darren, Darren Waller is like a 6'6", six, six, you know, height, height, speed, weight, or height, weight, speed guy. And, and Smelter is a guy who... I guess the comparison that he gets is uh, is Eric Decker, who you know Decker was was a really good baseball player and, and an athlete in other sports, and that's kind of the same thing that, that Smelter is. He was you know baseball player first and, and played a lot of other sports and excelled at them, and you know wound up playing football at Georgia Tech and actually was you know fairly productive considering the kind of offense that they run, where they just run the crap out of the ball. Uh, right. But he's he's a guy that that apparently a lot of a lot of NFL personnel people really liked before he tore his ACL. So again, that's a guy that. You know, maybe you bring him in and he doesn't play right away. You, you redshirt him for a year and can eventually take over for, you know, a guy like Bradley Cooper where he has similar size and, and does a lot of the same similar things as Cooper. You know, very willing blocker, obviously, in, in Georgia Tech's, you know, you know uh, in, in their uh, option offense. So 
Uh, that's a guy that, that I happen to really like from, from what I've watched uh, from him. But but certainly you're taking on a player there that has injury risk. At this point, we're about an hour and <laughs> 40 minutes in. Right. So I guess we might want to consider wrapping up. On DeAndre Smelter? Yeah, well, you is, know, well. Is there, any Jack- chance, is there any chance Marcus Mariota falls to the seventh round? All right, wait a minute. I'm going to give you one more name, and we're going okay. to wrap it up with a with a an Oregon player, and that's Tony Washington. Okay. I think you and I both liked him, and then he had a disappointing combine. Right. And but he did he ran better as pro. So he's 247 pounds, six foot four, outside linebacker. I think he ran a four oh, eight four four nine nine. Ugh. He ran, a, but I think he ran a four eight five at his pro day. <laughs> okay. So that's a better time and. The guy, if to me, you know, he has good cover skills. Believe it or not, even at four eight five, and he's an an adequate pass rusher with some potential. But that's a guy that I think, as an Oregon guy, would fit the offense that 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 the the, uh, the Eagles run. He's got a solid frame to build on, and that's a guy I'm not taking a chance on. And he seems like a high character guy. And I think you and I may have talked about this story before. The national championship game was on a Monday night or a Tuesday night. Okay, and then the the Shrine game was that weekend. He showed up. I guess he left the national championship on Monday night and was at the Shrine game on Tuesday. That's pretty freaking impressive. Yeah, that's a guy who's got his crap together and wants to make it in the NFL. So that's a kid I'm willing to give a chance to. Somebody who's that got that kind of focus. And uh, so you know, hey, listen, Tony Washington, it, it worth the seventh round pick. And if you're going to start with Marcus Murray, you're an Oregon guy. You got to finish on an Oregon guy, right? There we go. And what? We'll, and we'll end it on that note. All right, buddy. For Tommy Lawler, I am Jimmy Kemsky. You've been listening to Eagles Pod. Have a good for, day. For a long time. <laughs> That's right. Have a good one, guys. You've been listening to the Eagles Pod with Jimmy Kemsky and Tommy Lawler right here on LibertyBroadcast.co. Did you, want to, did you want to do another show on UDFAs? <laughs> I could I could probably list a few. <laughs> Shaq Riddick. Oh yeah, he actually could be a draft pick, dude. He could be a fifth, sixth round draft pick. Cam Thomas. Um yes. What, Western Kentucky? Yeah, absolutely. No, the Eagles checked him out at his pro day. Oh, did they? Okay. I don't I cannot remember if I have watched tape of him or not. Joe Cardona? But, there you go. Hey, let's love the Navy. Um, wow. Who is it? Is there anybody that I really like? Oh, you know, man. Well, I forgot to talk about Mike Hull, the Penn State linebacker. That's the part that I, I, I have a, an affinity for, but I don't know if the Eagles will like him at all. <laughs> right. Uh, well, all righty. All right, bud. Well, uh, good show. Um, I was kind of got worried at the 30 minute mark. We were still in the first round. <laughs> but I, th- I think we, cho- we chose the right format. It's the draft talk, talk about all these players. And we're also going to hear lengthy discussions on Obum, Guachem, Nick Boyle, and things like that. So, That's right. I, nope, you ain't getting that anywhere. 